All right, amen. Well, I do appreciate you coming out this morning. I was noticing on Facebook that they were, these churches around town were saying, we're going to have one service on Sunday morning, this morning. So I'm thinking, okay, should we have a half a service? Pardon? <laughs> All right, so I appreciate you being here today to honor uh, our vets and um, just really this morning, uh, just this last week, I've been thinking about um, our military and the things they've gone to. So I, I was looking at some video clips. I want to show you this video clip. If we can get the light out back there as we look at this. Um, this video clip is just kind of, we don't want those that have served in the past. Okay, we don't want them to think that we have forgot them. So that's kind of what this video is about. So let's just look at this video. Everybody said. Amen. Um, so I just want to talk a little bit about uh, that those that went off to serve for our country and for our freedoms, they sacrificed a lot. But not just them, but their families. Um, I remember when my uncle went off to Vietnam uh, years and years ago, and uh, he was 18, and he, went, he was a gentle, loving man. And he went off to be a Marine. Is there any Marines here this morning? All right. Just one. Okay. And he went off to be a Marine. He shot one of those big guns. I saw s- several pictures where he just, you know, was back there. And I, I can't imagine him actually in combat with these guys. But, and he was wounded. I don't know if he was shot or stabbed. He would never talk about his experiences in Vietnam. But um, when he came back, I mean, a gentle man. I mean, just, he's like six foot four, very gentle he came back, he was, he was a different man. I mean, he was mean, he was nasty, he was to his family, and he still, today, is different than what he was when he went in there. And I remember my grandmother saying that um, uh, even though he came back, her son never came back from Vietnam. And uh, I, I was reading this week about 58,000, I'm only talking about Vietnam because that's what I'm familiar with, 58,000 people in that americans in that war lost their lives and since then over between 50,000 and 100,000 have committed suicide and so they're still living the war and the battle and we sure appreciate all the ones that are involved in the military now but i i just want us to and i don't mean to be you know old school but we're gonna we're gonna do a song here and a video Okay, with, with music and, and words. And I want you to sing to this. And on the last chorus, um, you know, I just want us to grab the flag that you have under your chair. And I just, want to, I just want us to hold that flag up high. All of us here. I know, I, I know we're small this morning, but let's just hold our flag up. And, and, you know, don't stab each other with it. Just hold it up. And, and, and just, just as an understanding to our military people. The, the, not everybody's here. There's a few. We'll take, we'll take a picture and put it on Facebook. If you, if you all, let's just practice this, all right? Because sometimes it needs to be taught. Let's, everybody grab the flag. Under, everybody, got, everybody got a flag? Okay, grab a flag. Okay, so let's practice it. Hold it straight up above you because we're going to get a picture of this, all right? And now wave a little bit, all right? Perfect. Okay, now you can sit down. Now what we're going to do is we're going to sing this proud to be an American Okay, and then I'm going to raise our flag. I'm going to stand up, 
I'm going to raise my flag, and then we're going to get a couple of pictures. Who's going to take the picture here? Corson, where's Corson? Addie. Adam. Adam's going to take a picture. Adam, you can sit right here, and when the... Well, if you're good, you can sit down. <laughs> All right. So we're going to sing this song and just really sing it out. It's, it's, it's good night. It must be 30 years old. I don't know how it is, but it's a great song. And so let's sing it. And then we get to that course. Let's stand. Now, I'm, I'm talking about the, the last time we go through the course. Let's stand and we'll wave our flags. We'll, seriously, we'll put this on Facebook. We'll put this out there just to let our military know we appreciate them. And we've not forgotten, amen? The freedoms that we enjoy is because these men and women have sacrificed so much. Not just, not just them, but their moms, their dads, their brothers, their sisters. I mean, all of us have been touched by the sacrifices they've made. So we wouldn't stand up at the proper time. So let's just play this video and sing this song with me. And then uh, I'll show you, I'll cue you if my wife would cue me on the right time to do it. Amen. We are in this series called The Overcomer. And this morning we're going to specifically be talking about overcoming, overcoming comparison. Okay. How many have a problem with measuring people and comparing yourself with other people? Oh, five or six. So I'm going to preach to five or six this morning. The rest of you can just go to sleep. No, we all have this problem. Can I hear an amen? All right, and if you fall asleep, you know what this is for, right? Okay. How many ever got this as a, as a spanking when you was little? This was always too light for my boys. It just, it just broke, you know. My son always says I used a two-by-four, but he does not remember correctly, all right? Just to get that out there. All right, overcoming comparison. We always seem to struggle with that. So I want to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, as we talked about last week. Follow with me. Paul is defending himself because they wanted somebody else actually to be a preacher or to preach to them. He says, oh, don't worry. We won't dare say that we are as wonderful as those other men who tell you how important they are. Okay? Now notice what he says. But they are only comparing themselves with themselves. They're only measuring themselves amongst themselves, using themselves as a standard of measurement. Now notice this, how ignorant, how ignorant is this? He's talking about, it is foolish. Again, I like that other translation. This is stupid for us to compare each other. Now, there's two responses that take place when we begin to compare each other, which we always do. We're always discouraged because we measure ourselves amongst ourselves or not not just discouraged we listen very carefully we feel insecure or inferior when we do that but the reason we measure ourselves amongst ourselves so that we can feel better about ourselves okay and that leads us to the second thought and that is superior all right let me put it another way insecure or prideful okay biblical terms insecure are prideful. And neither one of them, as we talked about last week, honors God. It doesn't honor God. It doesn't exalt God. There's two phrases that we, we told you last week, and so I want you to write these down. It's very important. Contentment ends when comparison begins. That peace, that comfort, 
that calmness inside of you ends when you compare yourself with other people. That's automatic. We, we get discouraged when we measure ourselves. We wonder, how good am I doing? And we measure ourselves with other people. Well, this, uh, you know, and then we decide whether we're okay or whether we're not. We're better or we're worse. All right, here's another phrase. Write this down. There's no win in comparison. There's no win. There's no way that you're going to win when it comes to comparison. So give you a biblical example. I want you to go to John chapter 21 as we get into this this morning. John chapter 21. We're going to begin in verse 15. If you want to just look at the screen, that's fine. Or write these verses down so that you can study them later. Now, let me just set this up a little bit. Jesus, actually, Peter had denied the Lord uh, because he didn't want to be killed along with Christ. He didn't want to have to go to jail along with Christ. So he denies the Lord three times. And then Jesus goes on and gets crucified. Then he raises from the dead. And the, uh, Peter says, I'm going fishing. So all the disciples go fishing with him. They're giving up. Okay? Even after Jesus rose from the dead. So they're out there fishing, and Jesus comes along the shore and says, cast your nets on the other side, and you know the story. There's a great, great haul of fish in. They come to the shore. Now, this is verse 15. They have breakfast. Jesus has breakfast. Verse 15. After breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter. Now, there's some great teaching here that I want you to grab a hold of and just jot some thoughts down because we're just going to look at a couple of things here. Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He asked, he asked, do you love me more than the fish or more than the disciples? More than this. Do you love me most? Now notice what Peter responds. Yes, Lord, Peter responded, you know that I love you. Now notice this. Then he said, feed my lambs. All right? Feed my lambs. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, you know I love you. Okay, feed my lambs. And he goes on. First time. Then he said the second time, he said, uh, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter again responded, you know that I love you. He said, take care of my sheep. Then he said the third time, Simon, John, of John, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. Notice this in verse 17. Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question the third time. And Jesus said, or Peter said, you know everything. You know that I love you. Now, again, notice Jesus' response. He said, then feed my sheep. Three times, Jesus tells Peter, feed my sheep. That means pastor. That means take care of my sheep. That means feed the, he's not talking about a shepherd in reality getting food out and feeding the sheep. He's talking about feeding his people with the word of God. He's specifically telling him what his calling is in life. Peter, you're going to be a shepherd of people. You're going to be a preacher of the word. And I want you to feed my sheep. This is what I want you to do. Okay, he's laying it out there. Now, Peter just came back from denying the Lord. He's discouraged. And so Jesus is bringing him in. He says, do you love me, Peter? Yes, I do. He said, feed my sheep. And then he comes up with something astounding. Notice the next verse. Jesus says in verse 18, he says, Peter, when you're young, you can go wherever you want to go. But when you're old, somebody's going to stretch out your hands and they're going to take you wherever they want you to go. You you won't want to go there, but they're going to take you there. Now, notice what Jesus said here. This Jesus said, specifically telling Peter so he would know, 
of what kind of a horrible death he would have. Okay, so how many of you would love to know what kind of death you're going to die in the future? None of us. And yet Jesus is telling him exactly what's going to happen. About 30 years later, Peter's going to die of crucifixion, and he's going to die upside down because he didn't want to be crucified the same way as his Lord. Okay? So Jesus is telling him, and so Peter is freaking out here. I mean, seriously, he's freaking out. And the first thing that Peter does is exactly what we do. Notice the next verse. Peter turns around. He's looking for somebody. And he sees John. And he says to John, or says to Jesus, uh, Lord, what about him? That's what he said. Lord, what about him? Let me interpret what that means. Peter was saying, Lord, okay, I'm going to die this horrible death. Can you encourage me by telling me he's also going to die a horrible death? Or can you encourage me that he might die a worse death than me? What about him? Now, Peter's feeling pretty vulnerable, isn't he? He's feeling, feeling pretty discouraged. You would think, because he's feeling this way, Jesus said, hey, hey, I understand you just got some bad news. Come here, let's hug it out. Come here. Let, let, let me just hug you and calm your nerves. It's going to be okay. But he doesn't do that. <laughs> Notice what Jesus says to Peter, okay? Verse 19. He says, what is that to you? You follow me. Okay? He said, what if I have him to remain until I come again? What is that to you? As for you, you follow me. Okay, he just told him what his life was supposed to be. Just told him. His life was a preacher. So Peter turned and said, but what about John? Uh, uh, Is he going to die this horrible death? He's comparing himself so that he can feel good in this moment of discouragement. And Jesus said, uh, don't worry about Peter. You follow me. Now, this is very important. Don't look around and see who's over here. Don't look around over here. You keep your focus on what I've told you to do. Well, what, what did the Lord tell him to do? Feed my sheep. What does it mean by follow me? Feed my sheep. Jesus was telling him his purpose, his future was feeding the sheep. And he says, don't worry about what John's going to do. Don't worry about what kind of car John's driving. You just drive the car that I've given you. Don't worry about the kind of wife or the kind of husband they have. You just be thankful that you have a wife or that you have a husband or that you have a car. You just follow me. Focus on me. Stay, Peter. Stay in your lane. Now, for us to do that, however, we need to know exactly what God's got us, called us to do. What's his plan for our lives? And even when we know what God's plan is for our life, we still turn around and we still measure ourselves amongst ourselves. Have you ever walk into a house and say, man, I love your house. I wish I could have your house. Anybody ever done that? Oh, I love the car you're driving. Man, I wish I had that car. How many ever say, man, of course you'd never say this. I love your wife. 
I mean, we, we do it all the time. We, we measure ourselves and we, we compare ourselves to see, well, how am I doing? And when you're doing better, man, you're just, you feel good about yourself, right? You do. Yeah. But if you're not, you feel discouraged. And that's what happens most of the time. We're comparing ourselves with people that are better than us and we get discouraged and get defeated. But what happens is we get our eyes off of the lane, out of the lane, and we begin to look backwards at what's going on over here, what's going on over here, and we get discouraged. Well, what happens when you're running a race and you don't keep your eyes on the go and you're not focused in your lane? You're going to stumble. You're going to mess up. Somebody else is going to pass you and you're going to lose the race. All right, so let's... This is an example, an illustration, a biblical example of what we do. So let's jump into this this morning. Let me give you three thoughts. Okay, number one, let's talk about the curse of comparison. The curse. Okay, number one is, which we already talked about, it produces inferiority and or superiority. All right, you are insecure or you're superior. You're proudful. Are you discouraged? You're better? Are you worse? And the key is with this, it does not please God. God is not honored in this. He created you the way you are. He created you with the gifts, the talents, and when you go measure yourself to somebody else, you get discouraged. Their accomplishments to your accomplishments. Can I hear an amen? That's what we do. Well, I'm this way in my life, and so you begin it, and other people do it for you. They begin to judge you based on your, your accomplishments or what you're driving or your house or your job. They begin, and so it just drags you in. You compare yourself rather than staying in your lane, knowing exactly God's called me to this job. He's called me to this family. He called me to raise these kids. How many of you ever said, man, I remember I used to do it all the time. <sighs> Why can't my kids behave like their kids? Yeah, all the time. Why can't my kids go to the restaurant and I got my kids running around? Well, I got my one kid running around. (laughs) All right. Can't control him. Hallelujah. All right. Okay, it produces inferior, inferior or superior. And God is not pleased. Number two, it produces anger. Produces anger. Okay, anger at God, anger at others, and angry at yourself, possible. We know that God is in control. We believe that he is sovereign. And he's in control of everything. Yet you might be a plumber. And, you're, and the economy is going south. And you're just, you're just upset and your business is struggling. You go to somebody in the church and you say, you know, I think I'm going to have to shut my business down. The economy's bad. I, I, I can't keep, keep paying these guys. I'm going to have to shut down. How are you doing? And the other guy's a plumber too. And he says, man, things are going great. Things are fantastic. Matter of fact, I'm going to have to hire another crew. Maybe I can hire yours. <laughs> and that guy walks away saying, I knew it. God doesn't like me. Because we're in the same business and his business is prospering and mine's not. I knew it. I knew it in the back of my head that he didn't like me because he's blessing so-and-so, but he's not blessing me. And we come away with this thought. 
Or we not only get angry at God, we get angry at the other person. You ever been there? You're walking in church, you're talking to somebody, and they come up and say, my, my aunt just died. You're, oh, but I did inherit $2 million she gave me. And you're thinking in your mind, why can't my aunt die? <laughs> Lord, you could smoke my aunt just like you smote his aunt. I mean, we're like that. Can I hear an aunt? Am, am I the only one like that? I, I don't have an aunt that's got any money, so I don't have to worry about that. But Okay? It produces anger to other people because God blesses them. You ever, you ever not like somebody in your family? You just hate going over their house because they're just skinny and pretty? You just don't like them because they're just skinny and pretty and... You know, you, you just don't measure up. And so you all of a sudden have an attitude towards them. Now, I, I know you won't raise your hand, but stuff like this happens. Oh, I don't like them because they got so much money and they treat me weird. We, we, we measure ourselves and then all of a sudden we get angry at them. How about angry at yourself? Because you can't produce. You can't measure up. To them. For some reason, you just don't have the talent, you don't have the ability, and so you just can't do it as much as you try, as hard as you try. It just, you get, so there's this anger that takes place in our hearts. Thirdly, it opens the door for Satan's activities. I want you to go to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. Now, if in small group, if you were, if you were going through the book of James, you'd come across this stuff and it's really, really good stuff, okay? We're talking, about, we're talking about the activity of the enemy. Okay, look at verse 14. But if you are bitterly jealous, and there we go, we got that comparison. The reason we're jealous is because we compare them with ourselves, okay? And there is selfish ambition in your heart. Now notice that if there's jealousy, selfish ambition, and it's in all of our hearts, we've got to overcome this. In order for us to have contentment, in order for us to have peace, we've got to overcome this comparison that we have a problem with because all Americans do it. Even in counseling, we do it. Oh, well, so-and-so is going through that too. But notice what it says. It says, but if there's bitter jealousy and there's selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Notice that this jealousy that rises in your heart, this comparison that we do, it's not from God. Everybody see that? That's important to understand. It's not of God. We do it, but it's not of God. Such things are earthly, follow me, earthly, unspiritual, and here's what I want you to see. What's What's the next word? demonic whoa demonic so my comparing myself me running around to see how making myself feel good as i measure everybody else and where they're at that is not of god it's of this world it's of my flesh and it's demonic well what happens when i do do it notice the next verse 
okay? This is so powerful. If you grab it, it can be life-changing. For wherever there is jealousy and this selfish ambition, wherever there is comparison, comparison, notice what happens. There you will find disorder. Now, how many of us want our lives to be in chaos, in disorder? Well, this is what happens when we begin to compare ourselves. Our emotions begin to go every place. We're all over the map. You can't listen to the Holy Spirit. There's disorder Now notice the next thing, an evil of every kind. You think this comparison isn't a bad thing? Look what happens. You open yourself up to demonic activity to create confusion, disorder. And it turns into evil of every kind. So the world says it's okay to compare. But God says, no, it's not okay to compare. You know, when when I told you last week about Judy's old boyfriend, the six foot five hairy guy, and how I felt. Ah, here I am, 160 pounds soaking wet. I mean, I was, I was a toothpick. This guy's like, I was insecure running around him because she was running over. Hi, Timmy. Hi, Timmy. You know, just all this stuff. And I said, Get away. That guy's big. That's what I'm thinking. And then Clark, the hairy dude. Talked about last week. I wanted to pet him because he's so hairy. He dried with a towel. Okay? Made me feel good. We do it all the time. Now, you're just like me, right? We do this stuff. Some of you may feel better that I don't have any hair in my chest that my wife can play with. Because he's got it all over. We measure ourselves. And what happens? We open ourselves up to all kinds of curses. All right? Now, let's go to the cause. Now, in the cause, causes of comparison, we're going to see a, a cure as well. And we'll come back to that on the third point. All right? The cause of comparison, number one, the lack of acceptance. The lack of acceptance of who God created you to be. A lack of acceptance. God created Peter. Peter, you are a shepherd. Don't worry about Peter and what my plan for his him is. What my plan for him, he what my plan for him is, you just focus on me. You follow me. You stick with that preacher. Might not be an exciting job. You stick with that. I, we're living in a day where preachers are constantly comparing themselves the size of the crowd how many leaders they have in their church they're running around if preachers are doing it what do you think about everything else i mean seriously they look at the size of your church and they decide whether god's blessing or god's moving and whether they feel good about themselves or they don't a lot of preachers give up the ghost they get discouraged Because nothing seems to happen in their timing and the way the world expects their timing to take off and flourish. Planning church is one of them. You plan a church, if you're not in 200 in five or six years, shut the door. Rather than waiting for God to train the preacher and to develop him in all of these things. We've got to be careful. 
that God is trying to get that preacher to accept him and who God created him to be. And the rest of us allow that to happen, all right? A lack of acceptance. Have you ever noticed that, how many look at some people and you think, man, they got their whole package together. You ever thought that? Man, they got the whole package. But can I tell you something? Can I be honest with you? Nobody has the whole package. Nobody, according to Scripture. There's somewhere in their life that they're a jerk, just like we are. That they're a mess, just like the rest of us. How do I know that? Scripture teaches that. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So important. Look at verse 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. So God doesn't give everybody all these spiritual gifts. Not one person. He gives us a gift or a couple of gifts. Nobody has the whole package. Now listen very carefully. God has given us, listen, he's given us certain gifts so that when we come together, we can be a whole package. Nobody is a package of their own. So he's given us gifts. He's also given us talents. The talents you have, you can't sit back and boast that I've got this talent that nobody else has. Are my talents better than your talents? That's what was happening in the church of Corinth. God says, why are you boasting about the talent you have when I'm the one that gave it to you? He gives our gifts. He gives us our talents. And he gives us our experiences. Sometimes I get discouraged. You know, I think back to my past. Lord, why couldn't you brought me up in a leave it to beaver family? Instead of the Tasmanian devil family. But then I understand, God's put me with those past so that I can come together as a church and we can make each other complete. You have the leave it to beaver family. I don't, so we can come together and we can encourage each other and we can be all that God wants this church to be. He's given us our talents, our gifts, and our experiences. It'd be nice if the Lord asked me before I was born, okay, where would you like to be placed? And what family would you like to be placed with? Wouldn't that be cool? I'd probably be in Hawaii. Well, not, not right now, but I'd probably be in Florida, you know, 70 degrees, California, you know, somewhere like that. Where not, I, there is a place in California that's supposed to be 70 all year long. I, that's my place, okay? And the family, it'd, it'd be one of the millionaires, right? That, if, if he'd have asked me in the beginning, but he didn't because he knew he had a purpose and a plan and that purpose fits with my experiences. It fits with my uh, 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 gifts and talents. And this starting churches is where he stuck me. So there's no sense in me going off and, and wondering about John over here or James over here or anybody else. This is my calling. Right here. I'm not the best at starting churches, but that's where God has me.
So I just use my gifts. I use my talents. I use my experiences. And pour it in. What is your gift? What is your talent? Are you trying to use somebody else's gift? Are you trying to use somebody else's talent? You trying to fulfill somebody else's purpose? You're going to spin your wheels. You're going to be discouraged. You're going to be defeated. Okay, a lack of acceptance. I got to hurry along. A lack of identity. Not understanding who you are in Christ. This is what happened in the garden. God created Adam and Eve and Satan came to them and said, listen, God has so much more than you have. If you just take of this fruit, you'll be God. You'll see as God sees. You'll understand as God. He actually did a compare. He compared Adam and Eve or mainly Eve with God. He's not giving you at all. And so they took. And then last, last number three under this cause is covetousness. Covetousness is simply greed and selfishness with a mask. Okay? Put it to another way. I want what he has. I want what she, I want her life. I want her husband. I want his wife. I want this. I want their car. I mean, I want their job. This is covetousness. And if you write this verse down, you can go to it later. Covetousness is idolatry. Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Don't have time to go there. Because I want to get to this last point. Okay? That's the causes. Now, let's talk about the cures. Go to Romans chapter chapter 1 and verse 21. Talk about the cures. Verse 21 says this. Yes, they knew God, but they would not worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming themselves to be wise, they instead became utter fools. Instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people, birds, animals, and reptiles. And it goes on, they, they begin to swirl down the rabbit hole into immorality and literally judgment from God. But notice what it says, they knew God. Well, you know God, don't you? How many know God? Amen. Seven, eight of you. I'm pastor of a church that eight people know God. How many here know God? Say amen. amen. All right. They knew God, but they glorified him not as God. I'm going to just give you three thoughts out of here, all right? Two, mainly, all right? How can we, how can we overcome the, the, the curse of comparison? Number one, glorify God. Now, we don't use that word very often, so let me give you another word. Magnify. Magnify. Honor. Value. Focus. Look at God. When they did not focus on God, then they didn't look at God, they did not magnify God in their minds, they begin to magnify other people and what other people had, and what other people accomplished, and they end up making them their idols. 
Follow my thinking here. We've got to stop magnifying all this other thing that these people accomplish, and we want to be there and just magnify the Lord. Fix our eyes on Him. That's what Jesus said, Peter. Peter, don't magnify John. Magnify, I told you, preach the word, follow me. Fix your eyes on me. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. Look at verses 1 and 2 there. Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded with such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin which easily trips us up. Now notice this, and let us run with endurance. Now notice this, the race that God has called us to run. Every one of us here has a race. You have a race. Peter's was, Peter, feed my sheep. Peter, follow me. Peter, listen, follow me. Peter, follow me. Most of the time, Christians are running around. They don't know what it means to follow him. It just means to know what your calling is, what your purpose is, and fulfill it. Don't worry about John. Don't worry about Tim. Follow me. You have a distinct race. How do I do that? Notice the next verse. We do this. (laughs) We run the race with endurance by doing this. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Who for the joy, he counted a joy to endure the cross. Looking to the future ahead. Here's the thought, okay? The only way that you're going to run the race that you're called to run is to magnify the Lord. Stop magnifying other people. Stop magnifying their accomplishments. Stop magnifying their gifts. Stop magnifying and magnify Christ in your life. Keep your fix, your focus on Him. Follow Him. Who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. He knew what God called him, this father called him to do, and that was endure the cross. And he, he fixed his focus on that. That's how we accomplish our purpose. Okay? Number one, magnify the Lord. Number two, be thankful. It says back in Romans chapter 1, 22 or 21, neither were they what? Thankful. Okay, how can we overcome this curse of comparison? And that is having an attitude of gratitude. A definition for gratitude is simply grace attitude. Gratitude. Grace attitude. Okay? You'll never have a problem with thankfulness if you understand that nothing you have in life you deserve. Do you hear that? You'll never have a problem with being ungrateful, unthankful. If you look at everything you have, you don't deserve. You'll never have a problem with comparing each other either. It will disappear. 
Because you'll look at that other person's wife and you'll say, God has blessed me with mine. I, I don't deserve my wife. He's just blessed me so much with my wife. I just, God is just so thankful because I don't even deserve her. So all of a sudden you begin to look at God and say, God, because of your grace, I have this wonderful wife. Because of your grace, I have these wonderful kids. You don't have to measure them. Oh, they're so naughty. They're so wonderful. I mean, oh, yeah, they're just perfect compared to everybody else's kids. I mean, we measure them, everybody else. You say, oh, God, thank you for my children. I'm just so grateful that you gave me these six heathens. I'm just so thankful. Seriously. The other day, Jason called me, my oldest son. And I just, I just almost started crying because I missed him so much. Seriously. I missed his sometimes naughtiness and he, that crack of his smile when he hit the other kids and run off, you know. Just that honoriness that he had. I mean, just, you just... And I, I definitely miss all the, the pitter-patter of the kids running around. So quiet. Thank, thank the Lord for my dog now. Amen? He aggravates me a lot. Okay? But if, if you have this attitude that Everything that you have that's any good has come from God. Now, you might say, well, I had something to do with it. Well, yeah, you just responded to the grace of God. That's all you did. You responded. So if you have this gratefulness, this grace attitude that everything, you'll be able to, to overcome this curse of comparing when where Satan opens a door and he gets involved and does every kind of evil thing possible, is what James tells us, and causes chaos. Grace attitude. So let me give you a synopsis of, of, of this real quick, because I took one of the causes and I'm bringing them over to uh, the cures. Okay, Just write this down in your notes. If you want to overcome comparison, number one, accept your calling. Accept your calling. Jesus told Peter, Peter, feed my sheep. There's a lot of people that are rejecting God's calling in their life. They're rejecting it. They don't want to be what God's called them to be. I've got other plans. i got another future. Okay? Accept it. God has given you the gift, the talent, and the experiences, and accept it. Embrace this. Number two, glorify God. Look to Jesus. Stay in your lane. Can't tell you enough. Stay in your lane. If you want to be victorious over comparing yourself, accept this is God's calling. This is what God wants me to do. Embrace it. And then stay in your lane. It doesn't matter what everybody else is trying to do to you. They're trying to push you out of your lane. They're trying to push you over here, push you over here. Stay in your lane where you're gifted, where you have those talents. I'm like Moses, okay? Uh, I am deficient on my speaking abilities. You saw that today, didn't you? Okay? But when I have a problem with that, I have my English major back there at the computer, and she helps me out with these English words. So just like Moses, Moses, Lord, I can't. 
Yeah, I know you can't because I made your mouth. But I've given you Aaron. Don't look at what you don't have. Look at what I will do. It's just a matter of accepting who you are. Embracing it. Don't measure yourself. If I would have measured myself amongst all these other preachers, I would have never got into the ministry. I mean, zero. Wouldn't happen. What's not happening because you're comparing yourself to other people. And because of them, you can't. Accept, but stay in your lane. And thirdly, be thankful. Grace attitude. I don't deserve any of the blessings that God has given me. It's going to free you. Man, there's nothing worse than going to some party or some gathering and you leave discouraged because somebody is skinnier than you are. Somebody has something you don't. All right? Or whatever it is. There's nothing worse than when you compare yourself, you get discouraged. And there's nothing more abhorring to God than you walking away boastful or proud that you have more than they do. Or that you think you're better looking than they are. Or you've accomplished so much more. Be sure the fall is about ready to happen. Because pride goeth before the fall. None of these attitudes please God. But when you accept your calling, you embrace that calling, you glorify God, and you're thankful, it's going to free you up from that sin of comparison. It's going to free you. You're going to be able to overcome this sin in your life. Seriously, if you just simply apply these three truths. It's fantastic. And you won't get discouraged because this person or that person. You won't get prideful. Let's all stand. Heads bowed, eyes closed, just for a moment. No one looking around. Your heads bowed or your eyes closed? Let me ask you a couple of questions. Maybe you're here and you're just, you're just full of discouragement because you, you found yourself over and over and over. You're stuck in this rut of comparison. And you just lift up your hand and say, Brother Tim, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of measuring myself. I'm tired of the fact that I don't have no peace. I'm measuring myself amongst everybody else and I have no peace. I have no contentment. And preacher, I want you to pray for me. My friend, I will, I promise. No one's looking around. If this is you, lift up your hand. I'll see it. Yes, thank you. And I'll pray for you. Yes, amen. Hands all over. Amen. Yes, thank you. You may put it down. Yes, thank you. You may put them down. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Anybody else real quick? Before we go to the Lord in prayer, you're struggling with this comparison and you'd like to be able to get victory. Yes, thank you. Overcome it. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Maybe you're here this morning, yes, thank you. And, you, and, and maybe uh, you struggle with you. you you're, you're always feeling superior. You're always judging people that, that you're better. 
And, and maybe you want me to pray for you because you're at the other end. My friend, I will if you let me. Just lift up your hand and say, Brother Tim, pray for me. I literally have this problem, thank you, of judging, thank you. Yes, thank you, you may put it down. Judging other people and, and wondering, why can't they just straighten up and fly right? We all struggle in certain areas. Maybe this is yours. Maybe you're here this morning, you're just not sure that you're going to heaven when you die. My friend, I'd love to pray for you. You're just not sure that you're even saved, that you have this relationship with the Lord, but you'd like to, like to make sure of that. I'm just going to pray for you, and then we're going to be dismissed. Is there any, anyone like that this morning? We're not going to embarrass you. You're just not, you're just not 100% sure. You'd say, Fleener, pray for me. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Anybody else, real quick, just lift up your hand back down. I'll see it, and I remember you in prayer. Amen. Let's all pray. Father, we just come to you this morning. Father, we're just so grateful for your word. Father, it's just awesome. And we're thankful. And now as we come to you with this, this problem with comparison, and measuring ourselves with ourselves, and how you said it's foolish, it's ignorant. Father, I pray you'd help us to overcome that. God, how I pray that you'd help us to take these three truths these three scriptures, these three points, and make application to our own lives so that we can overcome and enjoy the contentment. We can enjoy the peace. And we can enjoy staying in the lane, following you. Then, Father, I also pray that this morning for these that raise their hand, they're not sure that they have a relationship with you. They're not sure of heaven when they die. Father, I just pray for them. You'd continue to work in their heart. Reveal yourself to them in a real way. Oh, God, we look to you to unravel yourself and make yourself visible in their minds. Reveal yourself, and we'll give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Jason's going to come, and Jason's going to tell you. Well, I'm going to tell you real quick as he's coming about Junior, all right? And then he's going to take the offering, okay? Junior's in the hospital. Uh, He had a sore on his big toe. Everybody know Junior, right? Back there, one of the greeters, his wife. He's got a sore on his big toe, and there's infection in the bone, part of the bone. And so they're going to go in there, and they're going to do surgery, and they're hoping they don't have to take the big toe off. And so we've just been praying that God would, they would be able to get in there, get the infection, sew it up, and diabetes doesn't heal very well. And so they're praying that that will heal. Okay, so how many pray for him this week that that healing process, he's got like six months off his feet or six weeks off his feet. So pray that 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 process would heal and and that uh, he'd be able to save his big toe because that's a whole different world out there.